and welcome to Colors of the Dark. I'm your co-host, Rebecca McKendry, and with me is the cane. Wait, what was that? I said you, dead you by just... dawn. Oh, I didn't even hear that. It just completely stroked out. Um, but I'm glad you're here and not dead by dawn. So we are just going to jump right in because we saw a bunch of really fun stuff this uh, past two weeks. But we got to go see Evil Dead Rise together. Which took which us a was... while to get to it compared to everyone mm-hmm. else was seeing it. We were we had life events taking it, us it apart. It took like four days. Don't to me, that's things. like that was the only movie this year where I wanted to see it opening fucking night because I was so jazzed. It, Opened on a Thursday and we saw it like Monday. Sunday, Monday or Sunday. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe We're it's bad been this. it was We're like bad people. four days, Elric, right, four days. Well. Cause we had stuff going on. You had like graduation. And anyway, shit, it was so, an epic yeah. fail <laughs> as movie fans. <laughs> so, you know, I have um, been so shocked by the bad reviews of this one. I haven't seen I have any seen bad people- reviews. Oh, my God. I've seen people be like, oh, God, this isn't Evil Dead. Why is the whole movie inside? And I'm like, I loved that. So this is um, Evil Dead Rise is set almost entirely, except for the cold open, which is set outside. Um, Most of the movie is set in a high rise apartment building. And it spends the majority of the time focused on the parking garage, one particular apartment in the hallway that all these apartments are on and the elevator. There's a really good elevator scene. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. This was so wild. There were cringy moments. There were moments just kind of like the the 2013 one where you feel the pain. Like yeah, yeah. it captured that where I had these oh moments throughout the whole thing. Incredible I gore. Didn't, yeah. yeah, incredible gore. Kids die. Like I don't want to pull any spoilers there, but like it definitely um, because you are dealing with a whole apartment building, you know, you always think like, you know, the kids are protected. No, no, just everybody's fair game in this bastard. Directly like, uh, ties to our topic that we'll be doing in the second half of the show, which is kids yeah. in peril. This is a great kids in peril and motherhood and all sorts of crazy stuff. But it's for a mainstream movie, which is what it is. It is playing in mainstream movie theaters to packed audiences. It's got to be one of the most fucked up movies to play to mainstream because when t- if you go to terrifier 2 you've gone for the that reason you yep. you know what you're in for so i don't count that as the same way that that's somebody seeking out that experience i think evil did rise anyone who isn't paying attention a teenager who might not even be that into horror could go oh cool a new new horror movie and it's fucking crazy some of the set pieces in this uh what i liked most about it and this isn't just because of the high rise. I think it's just the kind of movie it was. I just like that it felt as close as I've ever felt to a demons movie. Um, mm-hmm. And and I love demons. I've often thought kind of like, why is that not become the big, you know, redo franchise? Because they're so scary in movie theaters. And of course, the second one isn't a high rise, but that's not the reason. It's the way the horror is treated. It felt more in line with demons and the killer than it did in Evil Dead at times. And I don't give a shit if it breaks from some of the if certain things are not the same as Evil Dead, that they're the most fun parts were the parts that weren't like the other Evil yeah. Dead movies. Like the parts where they bring back, you know, a certain book gag or if they bring back, the, like, you know, that stuff's fine because they have to do service to, but I've already seen that through five movies, right? Um, it's just, it was really, it's a blast. It's the first horror movie I've seen this year that I will, would want to see a second time in a theater. Like it's the first time I've seen something where I'm excited to, you You, you had to go to the bathroom one time. So there's one little bit you missed that I want you to go. Oh, I know that There's was a, painful, yeah. but I had had that bucket of diet ginger it's ale. It's a good reason to see it again. Choice, <laughs> I know. But we I do mean, highly recommend this one for a real hard, hard horror that goes hard. Lee Cronin, I think, knocked out of the park, and oh, yeah. uh, all the cast was really good too. Like, it really liked mm-hmm. the central character you know I, I think the characters could have been a little deeper that's probably my only flaw is that like i don't get to really know the character like th- they're well acted but well, i don't know I much mean, about them 
To be honest, like original Evil Dead, yeah, no, you the, knew no, nothing no. about the characters. But that was, was the 80s, man. Great. We could get away with that then. It's a little hard. No, because even like the 2013 one, you might have gotten like, uh, you know, okay, she's an addict and they're trying to get her out of it. But there was not heavy amounts of character. Get, yeah, it's probably some on par with this one, but it did feel like yeah. I got, to, I felt like I knew their situation a little better. Um, but again, that's a, that's a minor critique on these kind of things. Like, you know, because to me, this is, this did all the things i want from a horror film so i was totally satisfied excellent well i am going to take us over to one that i absolutely loved this one one of my students recommended this to me and it was much very much in like a how have you not seen this way because mm. this has been out for a couple of weeks now this is the unwelcome or it's just called unwelcome drop the the unwelcome mm. it's currently on amazon it's got shutter logos on it so i have to assume it is eventually going to shutter but it's an irish film mm. so right now it's just on Amazon and you pay like your $5.99 and get to watch it. Um, but yeah, it's Irish. This is the same director from Grabbers, which was like a guarantee immediately that I was going to love it because I loved how hilarious and big and bonkers and wild Grabbers was. The setup of it is um, we start with this young couple and they're in a flat in a very sketch neighborhood in London. And we find out that they're pregnant and then something happens and there's a home invasion and they both get really, really hurt and they're suffering from PTSD from it. So they decide uh, he has inherited this house from his aunt in the middle of the Irish countryside in this super small town. And they're like, you know what? No one, we're never going to be subject to this violence again. We're moving to this super small Irish countryside um, home that aunt has left them. And they get there and there is one rule and he remembers it from his childhood and all the townspeople are very much like, no, no, you have to do this. There's this weird gate in the backyard that leads to this like sectioned off piece of forest and you can't get into it. And everybody's like, don't go in the gate and you have to leave a blood offering every night. And she's like, what do you mean blood offering? And they're like, you have to leave a piece of litter for the little people, they call them the red caps, but they're like the little people. And you get the idea that it's like what we associate with leprechauns, but they call them um, red caps in it. Mm. And everybody in town, especially the aunt's best friend, is like obsessed with this. Like you're still leaving the offering for the little people and everybody believes it. And that's as far as I will go. I will say this gets super gory, super gory, super wild hyper real they filmed the entire thing all of the outside stuff on a set so it just feels super fairy tale-ish trippy bizarre like it's got an interesting color palette to it there was so much about this i love i read an interview with the director where he talked about how he shopped it around as gremlins meets straw dogs and that is the absolute best comps i could think for this movie. i saw when you when you reviewed i haven't seen the film you reviewed it and then i looked and our friend dick grinnett reviewed it and he wrote it's straw dogs meets darby o'gill and the little people or whatever it's called the irish it is and that's pretty funny to me because it's wild and i had a blast with this movie so i watched this last night mm. super late and i as elric knows i had like food poisoning yesterday and i was skeptical if i was even going to make it part way through and i watched the whole thing and i was like smiling just elated the whole time so this was a trip this is unwelcome currently on amazon but i have a feeling it will eventually end up on shutter we'll see and i know there's a blu-ray coming out as well yeah. Okay, cool. No, I, I I was curious about that one. So I'm glad you saw it. Um, yeah, we have a few here. So this next one isn't horror at all. I would call it hard, like completely science fiction. And I know sometimes we're like, oh, but it's kind of hard. No, no, this is science fiction. 
But the reason I'm bringing it up here, it's probably the best movie I've seen this year. And so I really want people to see this because it is a super indie film. And this is The Artifice Girl, directed by Franklin Rich. Now, I don't want to say much about it because I knew nothing except that I assumed it was about AI. That's all I knew, like, because of the title. And I sat down to watch this movie, which could also work really well as a play. It's three acts, and each one's are, like, basically three scenes is the whole movie. Uh, and so each one is about 30 minutes. And the, this, the thing that most blows me away is that this is the guy's first movie, Franklin Rich's first film, but he's also the, one of the stars of it. And when I looked up the actor and found out this is his first film as an actor... That might be more impressive because the guy is so freaking good. I felt like I'd seen him in 20 TV shows. I was like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from all those TV shows. And maybe he has been a TV show, but on Letterboxd, he's only done this one movie. And I was like, that's fucking crazy because he's so good. Anyway, uh, it just I'll just give you the basic setup. He uh, a guy is in an FBI type room with two agent type people. I won't say exactly who they work for. They are interviewing him, uh, asking him his handle online. Uh, asking what he does and he talks about how he worked on some movies creating like you know recreating a dead actor for a movie like you like you saw in star wars or something like that and that you know so he's clearly got skills he's very antisocial, very awkward uh and they keep interviewing him and then it becomes clear that they have seen his name if he is the handle that they think he is they've seen his name pop up in chat rooms for underage sexual kind of stuff and so he is like being tracked and then we learn pretty quickly that these people working here work for uh agencies who crack down on sexual predators uh and so you're like oh interesting and then they start keep asking him about his handle in the first one and he's very reticent to say and it's about uh a profile that they they have been getting information somebody's been feeding them information that's actually been leading to lots of arrests and they believe it has something to do with him uh, it's hard to talk about this movie without giving it all away, but the first act leads to uh, the discovery of something he's been doing that leads to years later. And the second act is years later and they've come a long way. And then the third one, all I'll give away, because just in case this isn't hooking people, because I'm really trying not to spoil the feeling I had of discovery. But I will tell you the same actor who's like he's like 30 in the first story in the last segment. He's played by Lance Henriksen right now. And it is one of the it if this is one of the late things that lance gets to do because he's you know by this obviously fairly old he's so it's such a juicy good actual role for him and it made me so happy to see him get something with you know real emotion to it and man is it freaking interesting like it just it's very much centered around our current things that we're just starting to head towards right with ai Mm -hmm. but it's doing it in a way that is very palpable and emotional because it's connected to what i was talking about before which is like online predators and stuff so that's all i'm gonna say i the fact that this is i think the only film i think this and um this and how to blow up a pipeline are only two films i've seen this year that i've given four stars so they were like they stood out wow it's just a really good it won't be for everyone because it is very talky but it's fucking great I saw this title and immediately assumed that it was about like an artificial girl, like something that, you know, we've seen before where it's like an AI girl or something. There could like be that. elements of that that I'm I'm skirting around some stuff. But what I will say is what's interesting, because I think Ex Machina is a bit of a masterpiece, but that's this like very visual film. This one mm-hmm. gets to the ideas of some of that same stuff better than Ex Machina did. Ex Machina might be a better movie because it's just like made so well. But I, I think this, the ideas in this are stronger. I think this is a really strong, like what we're going to be grappling and thinking about. Um, I, yeah, I, d- I don't even want to give any more weight because it's just, it was such a fun movie to like go and 
knowing nothing except that it was probably going to be pretty good and it was great. So that's Artifice Girl. Uh, I believe Aaron Kuntz is one of the producers on this. Um, Man. Oh, is that through Paper Street? I don't know that's if it's through awesome. them or not, but he definitely was uh, part one of the producers. So because he, I saw him post about it after I'd seen it, um, and so I was like, "Oh, congrats!" Because this really is a gem. So that's cool. Okay, I'm gonna kick to um, one that I know you watched as well. That was not exactly my cup of tea for the whole thing, but I liked parts of mm-hmm. it, and that is the tank. Yeah. So, okay. On the theme of New Zealand ploitation, uh, we forgot to mention that I, I knew like halfway through, I turned to you and I'm like, uh, with Evil Dead Rise, I'm like, this has to be filmed in New Zealand because these guys are definitely Maori, all the he all the extras. <laughs> and of course it was. And then the tank is the same because he's a New Zealand director she, and the lead actress is definitely Maori. And so when I was watching, I was like, okay, more New Zealand ploitation. And I only say New Zealand ploitation because if these movies were set in New Zealand, I wouldn't feel that way. But when it's America and the tank, I wish the tank was set in New Zealand. I I don't, mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't need to be set in Oregon or wherever. It's like, no, make it about where it's from, you know? I felt like it would have more um, appeal to the location yeah. if it was set in New Zealand. I think Zealand. so. But... The setup of the tank is, and this sounds strangely familiar to the unwelcome, uh, that a couple that is really trying to get out of the city inherits this mysterious abandoned property. Instead of it being in the Irish countryside this time, it is a coastal property that is like this massive beachfront cottage in Oregon or Washington. It was supposed to be Pacific Northwest. And that was the most unbelievable part because this, it was massive, massive, like beautiful. They own like acres upon acres of beachfront property and nobody has ever wanted to live there. And they get there and they move in and they start fixing it up and making it look pretty. And they discover that there is this giant water tank in the backyard. And he dives into it, looking to see what's going on. He's trying to get the water back up and working. And he realizes that the water tank has this like cave behind it, that it kind of goes back underneath the house. I think they cite at some point there was a massive earthquake in the region. Earthquake, So it's probably like Piranha, like where the thing opened up, I'm sure. Yeah. And then it becomes a creature feature. And I will say, I loved the creature. I loved this creature. I have never seen this creature before. It goes full aquatic hard. Designed, by the way, um, by Richard Taylor of Weta. So the same guy does all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Designed the actual creature. And I think that was one of the high points for sure. Yes. Where this movie lost me is there was some significant, I'll call them exposition dumps, where like character shows up midway through the second act that we've never met before and has a five minute monologue where they just dump all the exposition that and in between it like there just wasn't a lot happening it was watching people renovate a house kind of slowly and so this one it it was a little too slow burn for me but then in the third act i loved the monster it's so interesting what you think well no probably similar but like what's so interesting is like saying like kids vs aliens is only i think 75 minutes this film is like just under two hours probably. And it felt, so what I did notice, and I don't always notice time beats and stuff, but on this one, I looked at a certain moment, I looked at the clock to see, because it was like, they just got to the house, this house they're inheriting. In other words, where the horror would kick in. And it was 38 minutes. And I, and I literally looked at the screen. I was like, this should be 15 or 12. Like literally you could have just gone here at 15 and the movie, that's where the movie it's front end 
it's not even slow burn. It's like beyond that almost like it's just front end truncated. But if this movie was 75, 80 minutes, I bet you it would be a complete banger because the mm-hmm. actual effects are really good. The characters are, you know, it's a nice family setup in this house. He's, he's received the house because his mother was trying to, to hide this from her, him while he was alive. But he's like, why would she hide this house? Obviously, because there's this dark history, what happened to his family. It's got all this cool stuff in it and it's well directed. Um, It's just, mm-hmm. it really is. It looks too, really nice. Yeah. It's just too long at the front to get you into it. So you're just kind of a little tired by the time you get to the stuff that we're, that actually starts to move. And the creature stuff is um, pretty fun because it's kind of like some of these humanoid creatures we've seen, like from alien to extra to these things. But it kind of goes and predator, but kind of goes for like this almost petal flower type interior mouth thing that's super interesting. And it's got an aquatic thing that I figured would relate to you. So it's got all these cool elements. It's just there's a little much of it, but it is probably pretty indie is my guess outside of the person doing the creature effect. I think it's uh, so I, you know, I still think it's worth watching. I think it's a cool creature feature. It just, yeah, it it does take a little while to get to what it's going for, which is a bummer. Yeah. Like, like prepare for a slow burn first too, but then the third act, I loved the creature. So that was the tank. I rented that off Amazon. I'm not sure if it's already streaming anywhere. Um, But yeah, so that one, that was, yeah, I like the creature. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, that was both of us technically. Right. So uh, I don't think we have any others in common. I, I don't believe so. Uh, I have two more to quickly. Yeah, discuss. I have two more too. So do I'll do one quick one. I saw another one that was probably more indie uh, sci-fi horror called Capsules. Weirdly enough, I never heard of it. I saw Jim again. Cool thing about Letterbox, somebody will post something, and Jim Cummings, the director posted that he must have seen this at a festival saying and he gave this rave review and comparing it to Tarkovsky and all these things um I wouldn't go that far but uh it's it's definitely a film that had I seen at a festival I'd like even more but it was interesting it was about these four college students med students studying uh one of them decides is like uh, we need to stay up later so they're trying all these substances to study and they see this old guy walking down the street and he collapses and le- drops the, and he looks kind of out of it. Like he's not really there and he drops these pills and they take it. And one of them's like, Hey, maybe we could try what he's been on and they take it. And it becomes this kind of like, uh, there's hints of otherworldly, not quite Lovecraftian, but kind of their hints of some other dimension type stuff. It never goes fully visually into that world, but you get the feeling they're mm-hmm. doing. So what happens very quickly is one of the first character who took it actually dies. And they realize we have to give them more of these capsules to bring, <laughs> bring the character back from death. And so I think it's, if you're interested in like indie horror, like super indie on the French heart that shot very, I mean, it's shot beautifully. So it looks uh, like, you know, more of a sci-fi horror kind of thing, but it doesn't hundred percent deliver for me. It's more like, Oh, this is interesting. Uh, be curious to see what this person makes next more than complete satisfaction with this. But again, I hadn't even heard of this. It's on Amazon, brand new, you know, rented it for a few bucks. Capsules by Luke Momo. Uh, but I am curious to, to see more from these guys because it was super short too, like 80 minutes long. So Ooh, yeah. that's tantalizing right there. Um, this one was not super short. It could have been shorter. I wanted to love the Black Demon. This is the massive oh, no. movie. I was excited movie. for you. I was so excited. And I will say there are parts of this that I deeply enjoyed. Um, And then there were other parts, not so much. Mm. The whole setup is that there is a rig inspector who has shown up in the Baja Peninsula. You get the idea that he like designed and is like one of the managers of this massive oil rig. And it's kind of fall. It's like derelict at this point. Like it's really broken down. And he gets there and everybody is freaking out on the the oil rig. And he's like, what's wrong? And he's like, what's wrong? And they're like, the demon won't let us leave. And it is literally a demon 
megalodon that's just circling this derelict wreck or rig um, that is not letting anybody leave. And it's like fucking up the rig and people are falling off and everything like that. So they're then strumbling, stranded on this crumbling rig in the middle of Baja and his entire family is there with him. Like he's got his kids and his wife and he and his wife are having problems and keep fighting and his kids resent him. And then you've got a demon Megalodon shark in the water. And there's a lot, he is very much kind of, um, there's a lot of kind of xenophobic in there because it's Mexican workers and he's like the white dude coming in from America, but his wife is Mexican. And so there's a lot of xenophobia that's working in there as well. Um, the CG for me, very mixed quality. Wait, there on, a, on a modern shark movie? You have bad CG? I know. <laughs> You know, I was reading a review of it a couple of days ago. I was reading on Letterboxd right after I watched it. And somebody wrote, and it's a great point. After, you know, we made Jaws, like, what, like 40, 50 yeah. years ago? How works. does that look better <laughs> than any shark movie that has come since? And it's true. It's fucking true. And this one, so giant Megalodon. And I mean, I really don't ask much. I mean, like, honestly, I, I, you could draw a shark on a sheet of paper yeah. and float it around the screen. And I'm still going to watch because it's a shark movie. But there were parts of it that looked good. And then two seconds later, it would be a different shot and it would look mm. awful. It didn't look like the same shark consistently from shot to shot. Um, it looked like he was varying in size. Some it looked like, the, you know, had a lot of well done detail to them. And then other shots looked like temp. So it was that was kind of offsetting for me. I will also say, and this is not revealing any spoilers about, you know, who's going to die in what order or anything like that. But because it is a demon shark, they establish early on that he's kind of like a supernatural being. He has the ability to make people on the rig hallucinate. Like they'll have like waking nightmares. And the way that I looked at it is if you have a giant fucking Megalodon, you don't also need hallucinations. Like it was adding, I just didn't think it was necessary. And it was like, the shark can do that to you. And I was kind of like, but you got a Megalodon. Like, why Why do you see need to also have like psychological attacks? Maybe that helps us yeah. understand Joe's four better. Maybe that Joe's four right. also had those <laughs> powers. Yeah. It was all hallucinations. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, you know, this is for shark completionists like me and Josh Miller and Steven Scarlatta and like Meg Navarro. Like we're going to be there cheering for nice. this um, just because it is a shark film and I will watch any shark movie. It's small theatrical right now. I think you can probably wait till this one hits uh, your home market. But that said, for shark completionists, you got to see it. It's still a giant fucking Megalodon, no matter how you slice it. And it still does have some pretty fun giant fucking Megalodon moments. So keep that in mind, the Black Demon. And I like the actor in it, Josh uh, Lucas, I believe. He's yeah. just one of no. those guys I like in movies. Um and he was very good looking in this movie, very lovely on screen and did a good performance against a questionably CG mm. shark. Oh, well, um, my last movie, I, a couple TV shows just to mention, but nothing in depth, but is one of my favorite of the horror films so far this year and probably my favorite of the Shudder horror films this year. This one I want you to watch this week because I think you'd dig it. Um, it's called From Black. Our friend Monty Yazzie from the Phoenix uh, Horror Film Festival uh, had recommended this from when it played as festival. So it just hit Shutter this week. It's From Black by Thomas Marchese. And this one was very reminiscent, like the setup too much so for me at the start of a dark song which i think is a masterpiece mm -hmm. like i've the, the longer we've gone away from dark song i realize now how emotionally complex and like just quite brilliant that movie was 
crazy yeah. that that director has not made another movie. He did. Are you serious? No, I looked him up I yesterday. Seen... He did some episodes of The Haunting of Bly House or whatever, but hasn't made. I met him on that because I shadowed. I think I remember you saying that. Bly yeah. Manor. And I got to meet him on set. His name's Liam something. Yeah, Liam yeah. Gavin. Liam Gavin. But look, I think Dark Song is a brilliant film. Um, the, but this one, after the setup changes enough that it becomes, leans into a different quality, which I really like. So it's a, you have a recovering uh, drug addict uh, who has kind of fallen asleep and not paid attention to her kid. And the kid has gone, well, she wasn't recovering then. She was just high. And her kid goes missing uh and you know likely dead and she is in a self-help group a year later or whatever and she meets this guy who runs the group and the guy who runs the group is the dad uh of one of the characters in um euphoria uh and he's really good in this film i wrote his name down john ailes is the name uh and and th- by the way the dr- the drug addict is played by someone who doesn't usually play this anna camp from pitch perfect so this is a very different kind of role she was also true yeah. blood uh very memorable uh she's really good in this uh so anyway she uh meets this guy and at one point he comes to her and he says look you know you know how i lost my daughter and she was you know killed a couple years ago well what if i told you there's a way to get them back and so it, that's what i mean by it has that similar there's a ceremony we can do kind of thing as a dark song but when when it starts to deviate which is basically they're basically starts leaning more into a hellraiser movie where you could almost imagine this being a hellraiser sequel because there's the specific demon uh, and a way to bring your to see your child again but you have to sacrifice something for it and there's a couple of visuals where the thing you see reminded me of like a really effective cenobite and it gets really there's a couple really fucked up effect moments and just like really creepy uh, uses of this thing that you're bringing back. I don't want to say much more than that because of the setup of the movie and give it all away, but that's where it won me over because it wasn't just the setup. It ga- it delivers, like it goes pretty hard in the middle of this movie. It also has Jennifer LeFleur, who was a, a good friend of our friend, Mark Kelly, the actor. She was mm-hmm. in films with him. She's playing a cop investigating it. And so it's like a three person kind of thing, but it has moments that feels quite big, even though it's this like intimate uh, shutter horror. But sometimes these movies don't deliver, you know, they'll, they'll give a good setup and it won't have the horror payoff. And this, this really does go there once it gets going. Uh, so I want to make sure people, you know, it puts on people's radar because there haven't been a lot of movies like that so far this year. You know, I thought Malum was another one that we obviously covered but those movies that really kind of deliver as you know the horror um so i think you'll i think you'll dig this i'll be curious to see what you think but that's from black from black now on shutter Shutter, i'm gonna end with what i have a feeling is gonna make my top 10 list this year and this is clock which is now on hulu i loved this one i thought this one was great it's Cronenbergy, but from a female perspective, the setup is this woman. Um, she is, and she, this is kind of becomes part of the the plot. It's massive part of kind of her backstory. It's a Jewish woman who just doesn't want to have kids. Like she's thirty eight, I think is the age that they give her in this. And she just does not want to have kids. And her husband wants them. Her dad really wants her to have kids. There's this absolutely amazing line where he's like, your mother survived or your grandmother survived a concentration camp. So you could just end the family bloodline right now. Like, how do you Hmm. think that makes her feel? And so it's this massive amount of family guilt that she's feeling to have kids, but she just has no Hmm. urge to have kids whatsoever. Hmm. And so she goes to this special doctor who refers her to this clinic that is supposed to kind of reset her clock. Mm. 
that is supposed to, it really, the clinic treats not wanting to have kids like a disease, not even just a biological disease where your hormones are out of whack, but like a psychological one too. The only thing that scares me about this is that on Hulu last year, it was my least favorite film of the year, was the Piers Brosnan film where he's the gynecologist trying to impregnate, and he's impregnated all the women with his like, you know, he's like, it's ridiculous. It's so bad. It was like a news story from like a couple days ago. No, this this is great. So the girl goes to the clinic and she goes through, it's all of this weird kind of altered states level stuff that she goes through at this clinic. But then when she comes back, she suddenly feels this urge starting to well up that she wants to have a kid. But at the same time, she starts having these crazy nightmare sequences and all of these weird psychological problems and biological problems. And this gets fucking bonkers. It goes so Cronenbergian and it's got some decent jump scares to it. It is really grounded in Jewish faith and the historical background of it. Cause she talks about like part of her not wanting to have kids is like her own feelings on the Holocaust and the evil of man. And why would you want to bring kids into this world? So it's really grounded in the fact that she is Jewish and facing this pressure from her family. But there is so much to love in this. The director is Alexis Jacknow, who I've never heard of, but she teaches with me at USC. She's in the theater department. Mm, cool. I've never met her. So I feel like I need to email her now and just be like, really fucking brutal movie. That's really good. So I thought this was outstanding. This is clock currently on Hulu. This definitely packs a lot of horror punch in it. Well, how fascinating that you said it was Cronenbergian from a female perspective, which also is true of a little remake called The Dead Ringers Show, which is literally a Cronenberg remake done with a woman lead. Uh, I've I've watched the first three episodes of this, so I won't go deep, but I wanted to tell people because I was like, what? That doesn't really need a remake. And it's not really a remake. I mean, it is. They're the Mantle Twins. They're, in this case, you know, twin gynecologists, similar personality types as the movie uh both played by rachel vice who is just one of the great actresses and i've always loved her and always thought she was just incredibly beautiful since you know the mummy and she's uh fantastic but this is the the thing that actually started to hook me is one of the creators of the show sean durkin the guy who did martha marcy may marlene which is a great indie film about cults uh and it has that aesthetic it hasn't gone hard too much yet uh, for the first three episodes there's only six in the whole thing so i'm going to finish it before our next episode uh but it is fascinating in terms of siblings and twins and like you know you have the the one who's super confident the other one they are trying to build their own they, they hate the healthcare system they hate you know how women are treated so they're trying to create a birthing center that will be you know front and center that experience but also on the side they're also trying to figure out can they create embryos outside of a woman's body and just do it all that way so there's a science part to it that's slowly burning super good show. like the quality of it is just a show like if you like severance you would like the show because it's just that kind of quality it hasn't gone har har yet but i did see mcgarris tweet somewhere he said something this part of what put made me push the button he said something like dead ringers is his favorite cronenberg movie and he's like and this is as good as that and I was like, okay, wow. well, when you're throwing that around, that's pretty hard. And, and you know, I, whilst I wouldn't go quite there yet, it is certainly effective so far. I just, I just don't know what the the dark darkness will be besides their personalities yet. So I'm curious. But uh, yeah, I do recommend it. And I also finally dived into uh, the first two episodes of Yellow Jacket season two, which I hadn't started because mm-hmm. I'd forgotten it was back. Honestly, it felt like I used to know yellow jackets was such a talking point the first season and then this mm-hmm. season i didn't even know there's already six episodes out i was like what so i just started yeah. watching it and it's hard to catch up because there's so much you have to remember but it's such a good show 
I logged into Amazon a couple of days ago and suddenly it was like, would you like to watch from two? And remember how much ah, I, I want to see that from too. Season yeah. One. The second season is out and I had no idea until it was like, you know, five of the episodes are there. Now. Well, let's so watch I'm the first of that it. when we do next time, because uh, that's another show I think is great. But it's crazy it's, how, yeah. how, how you just forget and you forget because of how hard it is to find what platform things on now. They Everything. move around like Paramount Plus. And now they're on this. I think that one changed. I think From is on a different thing than it was before. Uh, I think it's still on Paramount Plus. No, I, I, I looked it up. It, it was isn't... something I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what? So I feel like it moved and maybe they became one entity or whatever. But, you know, um... no, that has become a big problem. And I will say that, like, especially now that the writer strike is happening, like a lot of the talk that I'm hearing, it's revolving around the the different SVODs and yeah. AVODs and how they're all working. And, you know, the fact that I probably pay more out monthly now than I would if I would just like subscribe to cable again. Yeah. Like I assume cable used to be like 70, 80 bucks a month. Do you still have cable? I still do. But because of a couple weird things I watch, like the one that I haven't wanted to get rid of is TCM. I don't know why. I just always Mm -hmm. find something every few months on there that I'll never find anywhere else. But but I probably should cut it because other than that, I'm not watching much cable. You know what I mean? And so, God, yeah, I have probably 15 different subscriptions oh, yeah, yeah. and every single time I want to quit one, then something like clock will come on Hulu. And then I'm like, I've got to see that. But then my kid really wants to see that Scooby-Doo thing. And it's only on Boomerang. And now I'm back on that for yeah. five bucks a month. And then from comes back and now I've got to join something else. And yeah, I probably pay out way more than I did with cable. But yeah, it's it's a hot mess at the moment. It is. And, but and, and yes, we will see what the writer's strike, you know, if it stretches on, we might have another one of those periods where some of the things we watch are very questionable that can't start getting made. We'll see. I'm walking the picket line tomorrow and Friday. Good. So we'll see. Or I guess, uh, yeah, since this will debut on Friday, I will currently be on a picket line walking. Good. So yeah, do it. It's wild times, wild times yeah, yeah. in Hollywood. But anyways, let's hear from our sponsor and then let's talk about some kids in peril. Tonight's episode of Colors of the Dark is brought to you by Athletic Greens and their nutrition drink, AG1, a product that Elric and I have been taking every day. After months of being in quarantine, Elric and I both wanted to improve our health in the new year. So we decided to try Athletic Greens. It's a health supplement that actually tastes great and really boosts your energy. Plus, it's from New Zealand, which Elric loves. So what is AG1? Uh, With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, all those things. I started taking mine daily right before my breakfast um, and before I started in with the coffee. So it became this thing that I was looking forward to as soon as I got up in the morning. It lets me know that I'm getting the nutrients I need. And after trying to choke down an assortment of homemade kale and quinoa smoothies I was making, I got to say the taste of this is great. It's got this wonderful lemon flavor. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you are keto, vegan, dairy-free, paleo, or gluten-free. As you guys know, I have crazy food allergies, and it is free from all of the eight major allergens, which I was really impressed with. AG1, it's a small micro habit with big benefits, and it costs less than $3 a day, so way cheaper than the cold brew habit. 
Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I take it like 30 minutes before coffee, and it actually has given me a little boost of energy, which has been great. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash c-o-t-d again that is athleticgreens.com backslash c-o-t-d to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance Welcome back and welcome to the show, someone who we both love dearly. He's been on a couple other iterations of our show before, but I am pleased to welcome back from RLJE Films, Mark Ward. How the hell are you doing tonight? It's good to see you guys. I miss you guys. You guys are like family. We, this I know. Is, uh... I'll do. I could do this every week with you guys, like, it, but it would be like a nine-hour podcast. I wish that you know. I wish I saw you guys more from our little Zoom. But it's totally no. Mark will call me, and he'll just like you know business stuff, like movie release, this thing, and then all of a sudden it transitions into wait, what are you reading this week? And then like an hour later, we're still going over books we're reading. What are you reading this week, by the way? So I'm still I still reading Grady's, um, which I'm digging so far. I'm about to where it gets into like the the goods. So I'm I I, I kind of just like obviously reading like some reviews. I kind of know where it's going, mm-hmm. but again, I'm like a like I said, the constant reader of Grady's. So I'm I'm very I'm very excited. But I have to plug I and it's my coffee table book that I go to bed with and I always just read a chapter maybe fall asleep that if I don't want to like read you know like just fall asleep to I have the canon film guides there's a volume one two they're tombs but they're it's again like as I said when movies were movies it is so fun and it's like just reading you know they do a little capsule they'll have interviews it's like a really well well done book by and I I know that I think it's name's Alan is the author it's just he does such a great job yeah I've got it, it on, I've got the first one on my shelf because I had to read it I did a, a screen draft where we did the you know picking all our favorite oh, canons. so oh, been awesome. so I had to use the first part but the second part hadn't come out I didn't realize it was out so I'm I have to jump on that because there's always it's funny there'll always be titles with canon you you know all the ones that you love or that are obvious you know you're enter the ninjas but then there'll be something on there i know uh i think tarantino pointed out like a couple that would have been his favorites that i hadn't heard of him one was a david carradine film called pow you know yeah there's always something outside of your purview but i'm impressed that you know that one mine <laughs> was <laughs> all the weird dance movies because they did salsa and then they did lombada those things like oh, yeah. spoke to me I when well, i was they, were, like, the break-ins and then like the mm-hmm. apple Breakout which is like i think yeah. about this Go. Oh, the like, apple! It's, like those guys. Look, I just tip my hat. Like I know, like it was. I can't imagine. Like there's got to be like an offer series. Like the offer, you know, did yeah. Godfather. I would love just to see. I know, and I love the doc dearly um, about those guys. But there, there's even which would funny tidbit that I didn't realize. Like Cobra, it wasn't a canon movie technically. It yeah. was like a pickup, which it feel I mean, clearly it feels like a canon. It, it movie. has all the feeling. So I put that at actually at number one on this draft. And I remember and, that. Oh, that's right. I do remember. And I won't reveal who, but let's just say a very famous person wrote me an email, chewed me out about it, saying that's not real what? canon. That's a pickup, and it's one of the funniest emails I've ever received because they were so impassioned about. It. 
That's awesome. But I love Cobra, and Cobra does feel it does have the the key product placement and Stallone. It's got the trappings yeah. of canon. And they did over yeah. the top, so close enough. <laughs> agree, agree, agree. Well. I would love to eventually, I'm going to, Mark is the guy that I call whenever I need to kind of get like a gut check on what's selling, where the industry is, or werewolves going to be hot next year. Like he is the guy who has the intel on that. But I want to back up because I don't know your origin story. And this is the crazy thing. I have probably been working with Mark for 15 years, maybe longer. Maybe probably longer. Yeah. I've, I've been at this iteration's company, thir- holy, yeah, 13 years next month wow nope this oh my god 13 years this month i've moved to la for wow. like image now to end our lje into like the amc and we should probably also tag in what they do it's just in case somebody comes in fresh today what is our team? yeah sure no like uh so i'll start with that so rlje you know we're you know we were image uh bob johnson bought us oh my gosh like 10 years ago and then at the time you know like they, they get kind of gave me the keys and i was like look let's you know, I came from Anchor Bay. That was my, yeah. you know, Anchor Bay, which was to me of like, I still have the Anchor Bay model in mind of how I think movies should be made and seen. And I think like the Anchor Bay model still works in every type of release of like of the world changing. It's still the type of movies that work. You you lead with Halloween and Dawn of the Deads and Evil Deads. But hey, in the corner, there's very cool curiosities like the Fulci and Argento movies that that we released back then. Now there's a million cool like Severin and Shout. Like there's a million, you know, Arrow. There's a million cool like Anchor Bay, but I always say Sons of Anchor Bay, yeah. you know. Yeah. So so when but again, I took the same model there and we got there, like, look, you know, hopefully star-driven stuff. And we really got on a roll. I would say the first one. What, well, ironically, we bought the cobbler with Adam Sandler the same year Tom McCarthy did Spotlight. So mm. it was like cobbler not very well reviewed with Sandler, but but then Spotlight obviously won the Oscar. Yeah. So, but I mean, it was it got us kind of like coming in the door, having an Adam Sandler movie. But then, really, with the genre, like for for our our audience, uh, really started like Bone Tomahawk. Actually, we did Odd Thomas. That remember the Dean Koontz. Yeah. Uh, Antonio, movie. Yeah. Summers, yeah, and we did that, and then that kind of got us going. And then really, it was like a the Bone Tomahawk, uh, uh Brawl on Sublock 99, and Mandy, it's like Color Out of Space, like those kind of movies start just. I mean, they, they, I'm not saying they became pop culture, but they really are so well regarded with kind of star driven stuff doing something different. Wait, and, wait are you hinting yeah. that we're going to get a Zoller Nick Cage film? I, 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 I shoot, that I would be it. a universe I would want to see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I always said, like Zoller doing like a walking tall for Bruce Campbell. Oh yeah, watch that. But like pitch any but like the world make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. <laughs> yeah. So, but but it always was like look, and I'm like I've said this, you know, it could be stolen or whatever. But like, look, make a one line synopsis that works everywhere from the LA New York little bubble that let's be honest some of us are all in to the to Mark Ward from Piqua Ohio where I'm from like guess what you know we watch Hereditary and Midsommar and and Piqua Ohio where I'm from but we also have a sleepaway camp poster on the wall Mm -hmm. like there you know what I mean so that's why that's why we love this genre so much Mm -hmm. it's for us but it's so shapes and sizes and I was like, make a one-line synopsis that works for all of that, but in 90 minutes or whatever it's long, go nuts. 
you know, wow. the, like always, I steal from the, I, I'm a, and everybody's like, oh, God, Mark said this forever. I always steal from the Metallica documentary. Don't be stock. Don't be Lars Ulrich. Like Lars Ulrich said, like, just don't be stock. <laughs> Go crazy. You know, like, why not? Like, that's how it's remembered. Like, yeah. say, take Mandy. Like, we, okay, Mandy's a perfect example. It, if I just did a one line synopsis, it's a, it's about a revenge, you know, it's a revenge movie where a guy's wife gets killed by a satanic cult and he goes for revenge. I've seen that movie before, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen it like or something similar, mm-hmm. but I'd say correct, but you haven't seen Mandy. And that's why it worked so well. Yeah. And that's like, look, yeah, the parts you can can't explain that, with words. Can, right. <laughs> can we do that every time? Yeah. No, but fuck, we could try. Pan- you know, yeah, panels can. Panos can. Panos can. I, I, I look, I'm like, and I look, I love him. I, he needs, like, I, I need, a, I need some Panos in our life, yeah. you know, for sure. And so that's like the dream, you know, like, and, you know, we've done, I've gotten re- very lucky working with great filmmakers like your guys itself. Like, you know, we've worked, you know, together a lot. We've had a lot mm-hmm. of fun. I know one of the reasons we're even here today, like, with, with the topic of like, look, and working with the Joe, the, you know, the Egoses, the Jason Eisner. Like, like I love those guys. And I like, mm-hmm. you know, work with Travis Steve, like all, like the, you two, you know, and it's yeah. just, you know, like we have something because we are still a community and you, I would, you know, myself, IFC, Shutter, which is all like the new, where we're at now, like in like the new um, iteration from AMC Network, it's like, we want to be the home for you guys, like for every, for all shapes and sizes from, you know, like, again, for, it just, it works. And that's why, yeah. even like, I'm not speaking for Shudder, but like, that's what Shudder I think is like, it's such a cool, you can watch anything you want. It, like if you're looking for something that or something new, like it's it's gonna be there. But you're not talking about content. I, like the, the, that's the difference. Is like the way you're talking about it. You're not somebody who's talking about it as content or product. It might be right. those things. It might need to fill boxes. But that's not how you mm-hmm. see it. You still see it with the passion that the creators of art, uh, you know, these films take it and that's the thing that needs to be maintained in the industry because that's the dangerous yeah. slope we have when people just need to fill boxes for online content and, and, and i look at and then like i said I, rebecca knows this because we've worked like but i always say like i'm just the babysitter for your movie and here's the good news you have us like the whole team because we have a small team from from womb to tomb and that's day one till the end of till the end of whatever release it you know it does like in like with a theatrical vod digital shutter you know amc plus all that stuff like you have us all through it and by the way like i said like you can go out to dinner, but leave the ring on and watch the whole thing. You know, like it's, yeah. you get, because like, I just want you guys to come back. I don't, you know, I don't, I want you to look, maybe the first, third, fifth movie, go do the studio movie in between, but go flex your muscles and, you know, have some fun. And I think that's why we've been very lucky to, to get great filmmakers and I think really cool films, you know, throughout the company. And I mm-hmm. think, I think you'll see, you know, I really do like, I can't spoil and, say some stuff but you're gonna see a lot of cool like stuff coming this year you know and, and next year from that whole group so yeah. I, I mean it, it honestly like as an old an older man now like you know like you know saying this like i'm it's an excite it, it, it is an exciting it's a scary time for sure you know but uh i'm i'm very bullish on the that independent kind of film future in terms of well especially in our genre because yeah. I, you know, that's, you know, look, look at Talk to Me, you know, like that little film out of Sundance. I was like, what's this now? Bidding war between, I hear, you know, A24 and like other monkey paws, you know, and things like that. Like, I don't know if that's true, but 
now it's going to go on to 2500 screens that, that bugs yeah. reminds me of like remind me of like when your next had that first toronto exactly. oh yeah and it just was a mess. bidding war and i was, was there the which i remember when the witch had the bidding yeah. war going on Those I, I was at your next screening and you know just okay, look we're all how many guys we watch a thousand horror movies and whether movies books yeah. a year just because that's our that's our jam it's our biz yeah and just it just just to be in a theater and just to see that electricity it was right. like ah oh, like that's what again that's that's the dream you know that's, I know that's, I'm on a good thing when I know something's going to be good when I close my eyes at the halfway point of the trailer because I so I did that we just went I, to I'm Evil with Dead. you yeah so it'll be it'll be the hands when the one you're just talking about which I'd heard of coming out of Sundays but had seen no images and then so as we soon watched as it starts, it I'm like at the theater yeah. and you were like I'm closing no, my eyes because at a certain point I did that with the witch and it scared the shit out of me the witch trailer I was just like oh whatever this is it's the sound design's great and I'm gonna love watching this movie because <laughs> I want to get a taste of it but I don't want to see every image you know. And, and and not to pimp my sister company's movie, but like that's how I felt when I like the Skinnamarink trailer. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Like, like I hadn't seen it? any. Of that. I hadn't even seen a frame when yeah. I sat down to watch that, and that helped a lot to not that know what you're in for. That was sent to us. I think it was probably either the Shutter or the RLJ yeah. team who sent that over to us months in advance. Like, yeah, no, it was definitely Shutter. Like, I, I wish I could take credit. No, yeah. like those Shutter, and then and like you know, like Sam and Adam Kohler, who's actually at IFC. Like, they found this movie, and I was like. Like, like first I was like, is this like 90 minutes of this? <laughs> like before I watched it, like, you know, like, and I was like, what? And then I watched it, I was like, you know, it was almost like the that famous like Spielberg paranormal activity story. Oh, like yeah. he saw it uh-huh. and then he was and then he put it in a paper bag outside doors, like never get this out of my house, but but also release it on 2000 screens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was like that, that's what I felt like skin and like so those guys did a great job of identifying and finding that movie. And, and look, Kyle, man, like who like, I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. 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 yeah he's a good, he's a good pr- person too. Like I'm, I'm excited. That's cool. But again, when good things happen to good people, it's, that's how I look at it now is, as, as like I said, getting older, I'm like, I just want, I just want everybody to succeed. It's so fun to watch. Well, you talk about getting older. You started in the early thirties. And so when cinema was just a new art form, for anyone listening, now they're imagining you as a much older. As a much older guy. I I got very lucky, like the almost, I call it like the almost famous story. Like I was, I got super young and very lucky to get in early at Anchor Bay, like right out of college. Yeah. How did that happen? And what were you doing? Because I knew you, I started at Fangoria when I was like 22 and you were working at Anchor Bay and I ended up like we were talking like all that time um, back and yeah, forth. No, yeah, no, I think I've told the story a couple of times, but like I, I literally, it was in Anchor Bay, was in Troy, Michigan. I went to Ohio University, and I'll never forget going into a Best Buy, probably like let's say '97 at this point, and there was a two VHS disc or what's called whatever cassette, two like it was a two disc VHS set of Halloween. And I was like, what the fuck? Because, you know, obviously Halloween was like, you know, top five movie all time, right? And the second disc was all extras. And, and I'm like, again, it was, but it, like at Ohio, like laser discs really didn't come to me, guys. Like yeah. I, I was a too poor, like laser discs. Like that's the, that's the rich folks having those. So like, v, like we were VHS kids, like I'd tape on my, pan, you know, Panasonic VHS three movies, yeah. you know, in, in, in long play or whatever. Like that's, that's how it was. And, um, and anyway, i saw this and it said Troy, Michigan. And I called and called and ironically, uh, a girl who was marketing, who was actually really good friends with my now wife. Um, she's like, that's, 
that's Anchor, that's Handel, that's Anchor Bay. Like that's Handelman who were trying to recruit out of OU. So it's like, I didn't, guys, all my life, you know, back then when they had job fairs, now poor kids these days don't, you know, have that. It's the only place I interviewed. And I went in, they're like, we're not going to give you Anchor Bay yet. You got to go through this training program. And Anchor Bay wasn't even the same building because we were like, like pariah. They were like, by jokes, like we were pariahs, <laughs> which is, it was like rebels, man. It was, it was a very cool time. And I went over there once a week and talked to this guy named Jay Douglas, who passed away a couple of years ago. And like, we did a nice deadline article on him, like Malik Akkad said, you know, did something, Bruce Campbell again, like, cause he was literally the freaking like Lester Banks of the industry mm-hmm. and him and like Bill Lustig always say like deserve to be in every video hall of fame oh, because yeah. they made like Halloween, like, they, like Halloween was like in blockbusters for 99 cents. And they went and said, we want to make laser disc type stuff for D for VHS. And then obviously the advent of DVD. And I went over there every day. I, I joke is like, I bud Fox them. Like I wall street, I called that. He was the Gordon gecko mm. and he was the goose I had to get. And one day he's like, Fuck man, if you just take this job, take the job. And and I and I saw his acquisition coordinator. And he actually, and you know, I gotta go do it was like, you know, my dinner with Andre. I gotta come to LA from Michigan, met John Carpenter for like shrimp cocktail, like because we want to do the Coupe de Ville's, like his band, like it just we want to do a DVD a concert of it. And he's like, What the fuck are you guys talking about? You guys are crazy. But it was like, you know, like we wanted like it was rebels. It was like mm-hmm. it was we were just like I, I wish like we could do an oral history of it all because it was just very cool. And that's when Bill found Suspiria. Remember, we had all the big hits, like you know, Evil Deads, the Dawn of the Deads, you know, because look, studios didn't give a shit. Yeah, like, you know, they didn't care. And then we just, and we just boom, boom. And every, you know, I know you're going to, someone's going to joke about, well, yeah, because we know you did Evil Dead Mark because you release it 50 times. However, the suits would not let me buy Suspiria hmm. or any Fulci movie because they didn't, because foreign language, like that's not going to work at Best Buy and Walmart. And I'm like, trust me, it's huge. And I go, we'll release another Army of Darkness if you let us, if take test this. And sure enough, it worked. We, you know, we did that $50 edition sold out like in a week and then they're like okay that's when you, that's when you start seeing like even like the deliriums and then like the jallo collections like they let us do our thing and then you know obviously got bought by stars and at that point it was like well, you know just they, they kind of closed the office down in michigan got it got lucky my one of the guys that oh in between that we did masters of horror mm-hmm. when we got bought and then those guys bought image they brought me in I've been here 13 years now. They they're long gone from this, but it's always been the same. Let's lead with some cool Nick Cage stuff. But then, hey, in the, in the corners, there's some psycho Gormans. <laughs> there's some cool, you know, the man who killed Hitler <laughs> and then the Bigfoot. Some wacky, like, again, those movies. I love that those movies still exist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of the the thing that I I best know you for is how do you keep track of trends? Like how do you decide? Because like, I, just in case people don't realize how long it takes, like from the moment that you say, "Hey, we might like to have this movie," it's literally like a year and a half or more before you are actually ready to distribute it, right? Yeah, I wish I knew. Like I wish I could. Say there's some grand plan, but it's honestly it's the pitch and the filmmaker. And like, there's certain things that never get old. Like, look, just take Joe and Christmas Bloody Christmas. Like, he was like, "Hey," because I I was in a pitch like for it wasn't his, but like for uh, Silent Night Deadly Night, like mm-hmm. the remake of all that stuff. And for some reason, it, I don't I, I don't think I don't know what's happening with that. By the way, and anyway, 
Joe's a friend, you know, I think IFC ironically did his first one, but I've done the rest of his, I didn't do bliss, but you know, I did mind's eye, you know, anyway, Joe's you know, look, we all love Joe. And he was like, listen, I have this, you know, I heard you guys are cash flowing to these movies you know, because we did a couple, you know, a couple movies and he goes, I got this Christmas horror movie. And I'm like, what's well, funny enough. People were looking for holiday <laughs> holiday <laughs> horror. And he, and we were like, I'm like, can you do it for this amount of money? And you know, Joe, he's like, sure, fuck it. You know, I'll do it. You know, and, and by the way, I'm like, and, and he's like, I'll have a car chase in it. I'm like, there's no way you're going to do all this for that money. And if you guys have seen the movie, he yeah. did. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, like, so I, you know, but I didn't anticipate and I love our friend Josh Miller. I'm like, thanks a lot, Violent Night. Because <laughs> that kind of like, came out the week man, before yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. And I was like, but, but again, you don't you don't anticipate it. And now I'm yeah. sure we're gonna see a million Christmas horror movies or whatever. Like, well, Bex, we did ours together. That's on yeah, Shutter. Right I now. did one yeah, years yeah. ago. And, that, and yeah. by the way, that will be every year. I like to call it Evergreens. That's why know? I love that because um, you know, WGA is fighting for residuals right now. I make a Christmas movie that residuals, I get a nice check on second quarter every year from wherever that gets replayed at Christmas time. It's still not like WGA residuals. Right. Yeah, it's no. helpful. But I look at it's almost like, look, reading those canon books. It's like those. there's a reason we still talk about a lot of those movies. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and like the third question is, are they any good? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think they're masterpieces. But, you know, but I go, but that's what's cool. Like, because they're, again, like we still have our own little club. And I, yeah. and I just think that's, so like not to be romantic about it, but it it really we all we have is each other, you know, in, in this, you know, in this like this. Oh, my gosh. The, the genre world. But I look, it's you know, it's there's a reason it's worked forever and it will work yeah. forever. Well, last year was I mean, I, I was looking at last year. It was, it was such a crazy good year in horror, like unbelievable, like one of the best in so long. And it just goes to tell you, it's just going to keep cycling. Things keep changing. You get a boom of one type of horror and then you start missing the other horror, you know, so yeah. I'll get into a 24 horror because that's what's good for a while. And then suddenly all now I'm craving is a creature feature with a good, yep. good costume, you know? Right. And I think we'll see. Look, I think along, you know, I know Rebecca directed a movie, but like in that, like, talk to me, the boogeyman, like those kind of movies of like, that's like a smile. Like now everybody's Mm going to chase the smiles. Like that's for sure. And and rightfully so, you know, but again, like happy accidents, like smile was going to be a Paramount Plus movie. Evil Dead Rise was going straight to HBO Max. Like sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely like, that's absolutely true. And sometimes you know what we sp- we as fans we as we speak you know and you speak loud enough people you know they do listen well like barbarian was gonna uh, that was, barbarian that was going straight made- to that was definitely going straight to streamer until yeah. jordan peele saw it right so it, it took people to put pressure on you know studios well boogeyman, uh, boogeyman was is was, was i think supposed to go to hulu yeah that so, was gonna so, be a straight to hulu so, yeah and then but the test screens are so good they're like let's go and that rightfully so i would yeah. absolutely you know, I think it's going to, you know, that second trailer was great. I think it's going to, it's going to rock. It didn't even know? look like the yeah. same movie to me. When the second trailer came out, didn't... I didn't recognize any of the people from the previous trailer. Yeah, they played it before Evil I, Dead. I, and I'm both not, of us were like, what's this? Yeah. I'm not dissing this first trailer, but I was like, ah, all right. Yeah. But the second trailer, like, okay, now I get it. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, it looked really you know? good. And yeah, we, we need to have him, him on uh, before that comes out. because. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm happy like, for him, too. I'm happy for him. He, you know, good for him. Yeah. 
What are some of the favorite RLGE titles that you have released? Like what are kind of your, your top so, look, ones? I, I think they'll say, you know, like obviously the chalk I say is like Mandy, Bone and Brawl. You know, we're just like everyone loved them. You know, like I was at Toronto with, you know, and I'll never forget. Like, cause you know, like Vince Vaughn is like one, he's a massive yeah. man of a guy. And it was new. Like I can tell you, like I'm friends with him now. Like he was nervous because it was a different kind of movie for him, yeah. you know? And, and he was, I will never forget. Like, and I purpose, like we kind of sat like collider and a lot of the, like the, those, you know, when you always see like, um, like the, the reviews come out early for something like guardians three now, like early yeah. reactions. So all the, a lot of those guys were there. I'm like, sit right next. And, and you can just see like him smile of like you like people were like oh like you remember like the dragged face yeah, across like so good. people were going yeah. nuts in the yeah. theater you know because it was his it was that fan base which I don't think he was aware of and just like things like that so like like even like you know like that alone was awesome you know and like like I said Mandy um, I remember like Vince Neil was sitting by Nick at the Sundance premiere I'm like. <laughs> fucking motley cruise here <laughs> like this is insane and, and you know and it's funny like i gotta be honest the reaction for the first hour of that movie because remember i don't know if you guys have been to sundance like the library's like it's it's late mm-hmm. it's like kind of like a school set it's like the turn the heat on a little bit so it's like you know so the first like couple minutes you know you're like all right is this playing well and then you know the rock concert starts yeah. and it just was like holy shit i think mcweeny said it best he goes I didn't know if I liked Manny until I fucking loved it, know. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's and, that, and that's kind of what happened with that. And it was like a runaway train. So those are like, but then like, look, I loved finding the like, help finding uh, like psycho Gorman. Yeah. Like, like that kid is awesome. Like he does like the do it, like the DIY almost kind of filmmaker of like doing it all. Like, it's just so cool. Like, so we, you know, but honestly, but like, I guess we're talking today, but like, I really, 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 you know, obviously Bloody Christmas, but I love kids in peril movies. Like, I think there's a magic to them that that I think we lose mad. Like, I steal this for this book, Boy's Life. So everybody out there, if you haven't read Boy's Life, just actually just Google Boy's Life, like, magic passage. And there's, like, a beautiful, like, thing about uh, we we were born with magic. And then we and then we lose it because we get it schooled out, we get it churched out, we get it spanked out, and it's sad. And like the adults know that like, like a little bit, and maybe that's why. And I think that's why we love like I love kids in peril movies. It's about just you know, and they say like, oh, and you go to the movies, and like, well, you get weepy sometimes, like in like certain things, like because you 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 got that smell of the magic back for mm-hmm. even if a half a second. And and I think that's why I love the kids in peril movies because. As you know, through as a kid, like that's all we had. We didn't have internet and all that stuff. And it was like escapism to be like, there's a vampire at my window. There's this at this. Yeah, that was and, our identification, right? That's where we, that's why right. the 80s are so rich with that subgenre because. And I, exactly. And yeah. I think Eisner, and I think Eisner like came to me, he's like, I kind of want to make like the VHS2, you know, but like as a movie and just like, but like an R rated kids movie. And I was like, Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. But, you know, and, you know, like that's why like I, I just I can't wait for that movie to be found, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and I just uh, so like, again, I'm super proud of all of these. Like I said, they're all I'm proud of all of them, you know, like you know, at least because at least you you could see a sense of energy no matter what. And the, hopefully every movie that we try to buy that, you know what, they're they're fucking trying, you know, and that's what's yeah. cool. 
Definitely. I love the kids in peril because as I was looking through it today, I realized that all of mine are of the eighties, like that is where it exists. And then I started thinking about it and I was thinking about, well, what my own life was like during the eighties, which was me leaving on my bike at 8 a.m. and saying like, cool, mom, I'll be back by dinner. And there was no questions asked. And during that time, it was like pipe bombs, playing with a Ouija board, you know, going through this abandoned house up at the end of the street. Like there was just no control. And that's just not my shitty parents. Like I, I assume that was just kind of everybody. Our generation. Yeah. That yeah. Was same. Like yeah. both my parents worked. It was like, here's five bucks. Oh yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, in the news, it was like child abduction, serial killers. <laughs> like there's all these threats that I don't hear yeah. much about now. Like now, now, sadly, the threat is this like very depressing one, right? About guns and schools. And, but back then it was these like almost like sharks that were out yes. there in the world, but we just kept doing our thing and didn't, you know, hopefully maybe we're just the lucky ones. <laughs> did you yeah. guys, yeah. Did you guys ever have like the town legend? Like we had ours, like we'd have to ride our bikes. If we went to the pool, we have to go through the woods. And like, there was always this rumor of like this guy, we called him Rambo. Hmm. And the guy was like, in a probably like a trench coat flashing people. Right. Clearly, Oh fucking that that never happened, but people would come like to be like, we saw Rambo. <laughs> and I was like, but it was like, oh my gosh, let's go. And like it was again, it was a sense of advent again, it was a sense of adventure of like, you know, when you didn't have that. Now it's like everyone's on life 360. You know where your kids had her at all times. Well, you're ours, able to go in bubbles too easily now, sadly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. No, ours in our neighborhood. Um, we had this it so this area of the neighborhood used to be a park. It used to be like a like a park that you could go to. And they'd since closed it down. They built a new park and trees had grown up over it. They'd actually walled it off because the county had taken possession of it and was using it for like power um plants and storage and transistor and stuff like that. But if you broke through the fence and hiked back, the picnic pavilion was still up. It was still a structure and you could go sit at it, still had picnic tables. But in the 80s, go satanic panic, some probably teenagers had covered it with like pentagrams and Motley Crue lives and Satan rules and all this stuff. And the neighborhood legend was that Satanists performed rites there all the time and they would capture the kids and sacrifice them if they caught you there. So we used to dare each other to hike back to the pavilion. And we did all the time. Like we would ride our bike back there. And as soon as you get there, you'd hear something stupid in the woods and be like, oh God, it's the Satanists. And then you take off running. That's um, the, again, that's yeah. the best. That, and that's what you're still like. You, I still search for that, yeah. that feeling of, of, of it. So whenever you see it in a movie, like it's like, again, you get that whiff of of that magic, you know, yeah. that's so yeah. cool, Bex, Bex. That's all like, again, that I still want to make a movie about that. <laughs> like that's it's, my, it's my love of the satanic panic because Me too. My, Me too. my mom was very kind of hands off. But at the same time, she would have these moments where she'd be like, I heard that, um, you know, Judas Priest is satanic. I'm not going to let you buy his record. And that, even though at the time I was like, hey, I didn't own a Judas Priest record. But all of a sudden I was like, I have to have one now. And she had forbid me from listening to Ozzy Osbourne. So all I wanted to do was go to the neighbor boy's house. who was five years older than me. And he owned every Ozzy record. And I listened to them all back to back. It's probably part of what shaped me was her minimal amount of, well, I don't think you should listen to Ozzy. It was just like a guarantee I was going to fucking do it. So yeah. It, sadly, it, yeah. It I had an older sister. Reverse. I had an older sister. So sadly, I did listen to all of those at way too young of an age. So, I mean- I mean, I'm not screwed up at all. Like, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, you guys said that. 
What about you, Elrith? Like, well, I must have had there. the most mixed message uh, of any of you guys because all the most fucked up movies I watched was with uh, a lot of the times with the, with a stepdad who just happened to be a minister. So it's oh, so funny shit. to me, like when I hear because Satanic Panic, the, I remember the Aussie that trial about the you know the kid who killed sure. that that did reach it to New Zealand, but I don't think we really had Satanic Panic there in the same way for sure as America. But I just remember every time, and I've told this to Becca a million times, but like we would rent these movies, you know, early days VHS and. And I'd be watching, you know, Friday five in a row. I'd be watching like five of them in a weekend. And I just turned to the left, you know, and my stepfather minister sitting there just and he reacted like he's like the perfect audience member. Like every kill is like, oh, help. Oh, 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 Elric. I don't know if you should be watching this, Elric. And I'm just looking over and I'm going, what the hell are you doing here? But he obviously loved it. And he never once said anything more than that. Like we watched Deliverance that I watched at like nine years old when they first got married on VHS. And it became the most important movie in my entire probably fabric of my being, you know, because it was just so shocking. But like, I think back to that and go, oh, that's so weird. Because unlike the tension of, oh, religion telling you it's bad, here is religion in the house saying, oh, this, that's fine. <laughs> it was like, oh, I don't think I had a <laughs> normal up- upbringing when I think about it. But, uh, but I hats off to him. I, I saw him at Christmas for the first time in a long time because he's no longer my stepdad, however the hell that makes sense. Um, and it was just great to see him. You know, this guy is like, you know, 75 now. And I was just like, you know, I reminded him of this stuff. And he was just like, oh, yeah, he just, you know, not everything has to be an issue. You know, that's one of the problems here. It feels like things have to sometimes be so black and white. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think a lot of gray is totally cool. <laughs> I completely agree. You know, I had this conversation last night because Marnie really wants to go see Renfield. Mm-hmm. Now, Renfield is hyper violent, but it's not sexual in any capacity. It's just and it's mostly violent. action violence, and it's silly right. violence. Like I was like, uh, somebody gets his arm ripped off, and he gets like impaled on it. Yeah. Like it's fun, silly action. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take Marnie to go see this. And then immediately I was like, wait, are they even gonna let me in with a ten year old? Is this gonna look bad? Is everybody gonna be like, oh my god, she's a bad mom? So um, I still think that I think that it, one would be, be totally fine. You'd be fine. No, I yeah. look, I. I have an 11 year, you know, I'm again, we're a little bit different, obviously folks, but I mean, like our kid, like that's the thing is ratings even matter anymore with streaming. Like nobody, uh-huh. there's no like restrictions on Netflix. They could go watch freaking sex life. <laughs> they yeah. would like, they wanted to click I, on I, it. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying they're, uh, I'm sure parents do restrictions. Please don't call us bad parents, everybody. I'm just saying like what nobody knows what an R rating is. I think under the age of 16. And, and for, I want them to be curious. I want them to like yeah. want right. to poke, but I did go with my friend uh, who's an editor to see barbarian with his whole family. And he had kids ranging from like 14 down to maybe nine and i do remember all of them (laughs) it was really great because they clearly didn't know what the one part they are all asking afterwards is that one videotape that said something nurses they're all asking about like the the videotapes that are are obviously alluding to much worse sexual shit and i'm like i (laughs) understand i understand that curiosity but uh (laughs) i agree i agree Wow. I mean, look, that's why we're here, too. Like, yeah. I saw, like, I remember seeing Fright Night way too young. Yeah. And, like, we weren't a religious family. But I remember there was, like, this little cross in the house. And I fucking carry that shit for, like, at, yeah. like, at night, like, for a week. Yeah. No, my parents, even though that my mom was definitely curious about the music, because that's really what the satanic panic targeted was that music. There was no restrictions on movies because mom wasn't going to give up her sci-fi. And she was watching Aliens and Predator and, you know, every enemy mine i remember that yeah. being one of oh hell, yeah hbo that. staple an hbo staple <laughs> repetition Absolutely. 
shit in my house, but all those kind of like horror sci-fi films of the 80s she watched in repetition and so i had no boundaries on what i could watch it was just like what are you watching revenge of the nerds oh okay and then they would just walk away and that was it and i was just left to my own devices to discover things way too early but i think i think the thing about kids in peril is we are all it's it's also why i think coming of age movies tend to be like the best first movie for a lot of people to make because those feelings uh never go away i can i can remember mm-hmm. all my kind of coming of age kind of any adolescent sexual things or anything like intimate or anything where somebody was bullying someone those things those feelings are as raw now as they could ever be and so i think it's it's yeah. such a fertile ground but i think we were all kids in peril because even if terrible things didn't happen to us there was always bullying there was always parental yelling or some some something some yeah. hints of violence in the adult world around us so i think they're actually very honest movies even when they're outrageously sci-fi or whatever like the gate just throwing it out there the gate i've always thought is one of the best in terms of the way the kids feel like real kids like Mm -hmm. legit t-board nails that film with steven dorf and everyone's just feels like kids who are nerdy who can get together and actually work the shit out and take on demons you know which is fucking awesome (laughs) and you mentioned Uh, the bullying that's something that's a part of every single one of these even if we look at contemporary versions like stranger things the idea of there is always the one kid in my elementary school that i would literally walk uh, a full perimeter around the building rather than have to walk past them Mm -hmm. um because i knew they would say something to me and i feel like that's still something that we encompass in a lot of our kids in peril movies and talk yeah and it's scary you know look not to like go even darker now like but we didn't have to worry about even what kids have to worry about now like it's Mm -hmm. just it's just like that it's even more of an innocence loss and it's sad like you know i just you know like uh, all of us as parents you know it's like you want you don't want that you know you don't even i you don't i can't even imagine thinking of what they do when they go to school you know now you know and it's uh, you know it makes you question that how could there even still be bullying when if your bullies could result in in the worst imaginable but it doesn't change human human behavior is just wired in at young kids who aren't fully developed are always going to be bullying they're always going to be bullied and often the bullies are the ones who are being bullied somewhere else in their life it's it's such a cycle and i do think these movies often gave us the feeling of like oh yeah not just the cheesy yeah you can overcome it but i think they're also we're just exciting to watch too because you know you're just being placed in this position you know uh that the power of these don't go away but i'm curious like i know we're all going to highlight a handful or a couple each or whatever i i, I picked weirder ones so i wanted you guys to go first just because i thought I figured you guys would stay in the line a little better. <laughs> well, that's what, like, I know, because I was, you know, like, I was trying to go, like, I look, my first, my top two, like, are always, like, they're pretty chalk, but, like, it's, I can't not have them in there because I wouldn't be here without those. But I, I try to have a couple, like, deep cuts or, you know, th- you know, things like that. But it's hard. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's very 80-centric. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, because I didn't, like, I didn't want to put the new it in because, like, it's just, you know, I get it. Like, by the way, that for my kids, that's probably their, I'm sure what will be a time, like our old it, yeah, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, my kids loved that one. So yeah, that. But I just, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Bex. Oh, I was going to say the old it like melted my brain and the new it did that for them. So yeah. Ex- exactly. And that was cool. I actually went and saw that at the theater with my, I, probably at the time, again, 12 year old at maybe, when did, maybe 11, but he loved it. Like they loved it, you know, and they were like, it was like a cool experience to see that through their eyes of like, man, the, again, the magic's still there when it, for these kids. And that's why they love stranger things. They all, they all like all, they love the karate kid again. Like that's the, but or, I mean, Cobra Kai, but that stranger things, they all 
three, I have 16, 14, 11 for everyone, but like they all separately love those shows in different And it was cool that 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 series got more hard turned into hard. Like by that last season with that creature, it was a lot more, you know, my kids wouldn't be ready for that one yet. But but at some point, it's the perfect kind of kinder trauma slow, slowly pulls you in to the hard stuff. Um, What are what are some other ones for you guys? Uh, so I I want to mention three that are I think on Shutter right now, like that you know that I I absolutely love. I obviously we talked about Kids versus Aliens again. Like we're here, like Eisner freaking that and his VHS two that is Slumber Party Alien Abduction. Dude is just he gets it. I think because he loves wrestling. Like he's like me. We loved wrestling yeah, as kids. He loved like metal. Like, Who was your just- wrestler in the eighties? Like when you're young, like of the WWF guys. <laughs> I was, um, it's funny. I love both. I like, I mean, you know, because I loved NWA or WCW. Yeah. Like I was a rock and roll express fan oh, okay. because oh. I thought they like, they were rock and roll yeah. and they were, they were, they were cool. And like chicks liked them. So I was like, I wanted to be like those guys, but like, you know, like I, you know, I was, I mean, everybody loved, you know, Hogan and yeah. Flair, but like Flair, clearly I have a gift for Gab, as you guys know, like, so Flair, like I would be, again, I was a latchkey kid. I'd listen to Ric Flair promos and things like that is like Dusty Rhodes and like Hulk Hogan promos. And that's how you learn how to public. That's how I learned how to public speak. You know, sad as it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that New Zealand's still represented by the Bushwhackers. <laughs> oh, by the way, I love you so much. By the, the way, rest in peace. I think one of them just died. Oh, really? Yeah, one of them just Aww. died. Well, yeah. here's for them. Whoa, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lick, lick, lick heads. That's all, all they said. Anymore. I don't even think yeah, they yeah. were from New Zealand. I think I don't. I think that. No, I think they no, were. They're I think said they were. to be from New Zealand, but I don't think the yeah, wrestlers had ever probably even been there. Uh, I, d- <laughs> right. I did like those British bulldogs quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, the British sure. bulldogs. Coco Beware. Coco Beware had it going on. Coco Beware. Um, no, I, I, I got. I, yeah. My roommates in college got super into wrestling. I lived with two guys and that's all they did. We bought every WrestleMania and everything. So I know the like early 2000s D-Generation X. Absolutely. Like nobody's business. Um, Played the game repeatedly. That was like every night till 2 a.m. while drunk. But yeah, well, it's it, that was, um, it's not different Monday from, night from, Monday, night. from mo- Monday nights crazy movies because I have a very you know it's a similar kind of vibe because I have a very uh, about buying in like when we would watch mm-hmm. you know creature in a suit and you know it's fake but your brain doesn't allow you to say it's fake because yeah. you go with it I remember very well when I think it's um was it Brett the Hitman no, or yeah. Brutus the Barber who got cut across here by I think the guy's outlaw he used spurs and he cut the guy across the head and it was the first time ever it had gone that dark and violent in the wrestling and i was it it, it got me back in for a couple of, yeah because i it, i was a hundred percent sure oh my god well, i'm sure he's using some sort of blood for real but it was so like oh wait this is real and, and suddenly you're back in again <laughs> you know one smoke and mirrors and you're back like you've got your audience back in it no it was- i uh when I worked for D Snyder, my very first year working at Fangoria, I was D's assistant for Fangoria Radio, and he lived next to Mick Foley. And so Mick Foley like hung out with him. So I got to talk to him multiple times. He came on the radio show at one point. He would just, you know, pop into this uh the office to see D at times. And I always had so many questions about, okay, trash cans. Are those like real trash cans that you're throwing at each other? Okay, cage match. Like, do you guys pre-plan like who's going to fall off the cage or the falls real? And every single one, he was like, no, no, it's real. Like they're trained to do it, but no, no, it's real. No, those are real metal chairs. They're not like fake metal chairs. And yeah, every single time I was like, really? Like, yeah. 
And when it and when that comes into horror, like too, like when he mixed specifically, when like they brought him in, you know, he used to be this cactus jack character, which is deranged and crazy blood. But, but then they brought sock. Then, but then it be yeah, then he became like exactly. mankind. But yeah. again, he came into feud with the Undertaker, which is their version of the horror guy. You know, yeah. like it got, so it's a lot of the same fan and base. Kane, who I recall back Kane. is Doctor Isaac Yankum. He was um, absolutely. Yeah. And again, so that so that, circling back to that, like. Jason can capture that so well that I think of like that wrestling fan and horror fan, like, you know, that's that because a lot of the same, you know, and, and I think he gets it. And that's why he's very, it was very, I was, he's very impressive to me. Like, and I was really like, that's why I was like those two. I'm like, look, I think he got it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so that, but the other one is another one is it's badass girls versus aliens. I call it like the thing meets, Oh gosh, what was it, the one? But it was a slashback. I don't know if you guys saw the slashback. It it's great. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, it's another, like, you know, like the heart is on the sleeve mm. and like this mm-hmm. this director uh she's so she's great like i'm, I'm telling you like she's gonna be like i can't wait to see what she does next for what she had the budget for and she just crushed it so that one and then obviously i think these guys uh could be like the next like bl- like halloween or some like some studio is gonna come calling is the boy behind the door guys Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you guys seen Boy Behind the Door. Yeah, one of yeah. my one of my ex students edited it, and and he did an amazing job on it. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's such a tight movie, such a tight movie. And those like so could do those scares of like like imagine if it was Michael Myers instead of like the killer. Like I just think yeah. you know what I mean. Like you see like sick and like that guy is you know the, the, you see like the, he could stage a sl- scene so well. Himes, yeah, Himes is direct. Yeah, Himes, yeah. So those three are like the shutter ones I want to mention. And like, and obviously I know we're, you guys are going to talk about it maybe in a couple of weeks with the angry black girl on our monster movie coming out uh, June 9th. It's so good. And like Bomani did it's knocked it out of the park. And like, I really think he take that Frankenstein trope, but really made it just mean, you know, like it's very, very good. I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I really, it, it's more of a teen in peril, which I like not kid, but so it's a little, it's out of this conversation, but I couldn't not give that a shout out. I'm really proud of all that movie as well. When that hits in a month or so. Um, well, I'm going to kick us off with the gate, which Elric already mentioned. I had this, it too. <laughs> this is one of those crossover films for me that I saw. I was probably nine years old watching this. It was like right when it came out and it was one of those where it was accessible for me because it was kids, but at the same time, it packed the punches and the scares and it had satanic stuff and metal in it. So I was just already in cause I'd been over at the neighbor's house listening to all his Ozzy albums. And um, yeah, I just love this one so much. Tibor talk is one of those directors that I was so fascinated by his films like every single thing he did in the 80s and 90s I was all in like I I just loved his body of work during that time period but this one specifically I love the idea of the giant hole in the backyard that you know the kids are left home alone and um that you know all hell breaks loose literally it's just such a joy classic Gate from 1987. I discovered a lot of my students have not seen this one or ever heard of it. Like it does not get the love as like the Freddies and the Jasons. Um, so if you are um, have not seen this one, it's definitely worth it. That's crazy. Very, That's yeah. great. Very yeah. playful effects too. Like that, it's not mm-hmm. just one thing. Like suddenly it breaks up into clay creatures, and, and that 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 playfulness of experimentation in the 80s was so cool with effects. It's just you know you'd never you just really wouldn't see that much now. Yeah, I I agree. 
Uh, um, I'm writing down because that's one that I now need to watch with my kids because I feel like yeah. I know I I try it's I did it's a little it was a little slow at start for them like just wait till wait wait till it gets going you know because yeah. these kids are just like you know it's like boom boom boom. I'm, but I'm gonna tell everyone that Mark Ward's kids prefer the gate too the gate <laughs> i know i was gonna say has anybody seen the gate too because it's wait the is that the curse yeah no, no it's no, just no, one no. called the gate no. too it just doesn't wait. quite work as well but hold on it, it's the same kid yeah. it's not dwarf it's the same it's the other the, kid yeah the geeky the, the geekier the kid, geeky kid. Uh, i would say it's not but it's not jonathan ward no relation trespassers that's it it's the gate to trespass yeah. they call it i didn't i never heard of the the tag or the whatever you call it like i, did, I didn't i just thought it was the gate too yeah it still has cool effects but it's nowhere near mm-hmm. as good um, the curse is Will Wheaton, which yes, is actually based on, based on color out of space. Lovecraft, yeah, uh, yep. Lovecraft. Yep. You that's one of those so ones right. I would have seen the cover a million times. And I don't know if I ever even watched it when I was young, you know, like you pass I, it every yeah. time you'd look at that cover. I did. Yeah. We watched it quite a bit. I feel like the gate too has a similar cover with like a hand and eyes in the background. Cause I, I think so. Yes. I think I'm mixing the covers up in my brain, but, um, I'm going to keep us rolling on the eighties track and I am going to go to lady in white, which is one of my favorite, like, holy shit, are they going to kill this kid movie? Um, which is Frank Lalogia. I don't think I've yeah, ever Lelogia, said Lelogia. Lelogia, Lelogia. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said his name properly in my life. Um, but basically it's a 1960s story, but it is a kid who gets locked into a school overnight and sees this ghost girl and realizes that she's been murdered and that he knows who the murderer is. And um, so, and then it goes from there as the murderer knows who he is. And, it's, and the kid it's performance is really good. Intense. I remember him being Lucas very, ha- Lucas yeah, Haas. very real. Lucas Haas, yep. Yeah, Lucas Haas. Yeah. I think he went, did, I think he went from that right into witness yeah. or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one, it was super tight. This is a slow burn. I've tried to convince people to watch it now and they're like, nothing happens. And it is, it's very kind of, um, it feels very kind of gothic. Yeah. yeah. It's got this like bucolic pastoralness to the environment because it's like this tiny little 1960s like farm town. Um, So yeah, it's got almost, yeah, it feels of a different time, but it's still really good. And, and then really the last is. one I included was People Under the Stairs. That's what I was buying to. That was my number three. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. This is like my barbarian from like 1991 where you're just watching it going, what the fuck? How more bonkers is this going to get? Oh, my God. Are they in gimp clothes? Wait, what? And yeah, this one. And Holy even shit. I watched this when it came out. I remember my mom running it for me because I was so excited about it because I'd seen the trailers on TV and she rented it for me like the day it released a blockbuster. And again, my parents could have given two fucks what I was watching, but I had so many questions after this. Um, and it was just like, I still don't understand some of the choices in it, but it is so goddamn bonkers. It feels like the barbarian of the nineties. That just blew me away that you just, you're right. That was the barbarian of that era. That is, yeah. you just literally blew my mind with that. You're right. It, Cause I, I saw that in the theater, you guys shouldn't have because i was like shit in my pants i was like what it what it are they i thought they were brother and sister what are they doing like i was yeah. too young for them to know that and then like you know like even the people like literally the people in our series like it was so oh i you know what i'm, I'm re-watching that tonight like everyone yeah. out there like go find that right now made creepier yeah. that they're a married couple and twin peaks which is on tv the same time oh God, you're so you're right. watching them as a married couple which i was as a kid twin peaks was like entryway 
kind of stuff for me too. And then suddenly this movie comes out where you don't know what they are. And uh, Everett McGill, you know, I, I know you're in there, boy. All that stuff really got got me. That. But you do that. You know, the boy is. I like ones where it's just a kid uh, sometimes because it's like that one kid versus the adult world trying to figure it out. Yeah, fool. Well, but then fool, fool. And it's about the kids because it's the girl, and then you've got Roach, and you know, then the people under the stairs. They're nothing but damn baby stealers or whatever the line is. Like it all came back to childhood and an odd socioeconomical statement worked in there um yeah and you so. got marcellus but, wallace crawling around the house I say you got big rings yeah. baby you got, big, you got early big rings that's right yeah that's that's totally. that's how you probably found that briefcase from pulp so come on <laughs> it all connects it's, it's a world uh it's all there. what about you mark well you go first in case i steal any of yours so no i was so uh there's one that's it's a little bit of a cheat but it was like my deep cut that I, it was always on as a kid and and it just it scared me for some reason i it's there's a great you know i hate to say it's on youtube because i don't think it's available anywhere else but in a really nice uh like transfer is summer camp nightmare oh and it, i it, own this so it is scary. Go ahead, Bex. Go. Yeah. I yeah. was just gonna say, like, it's not available anywhere. Um, I have like a bootleg that I bought at a convention of it. it it's intense. It's based, it Penelope Spears. Yeah, Penelope Spears wrote it. So yeah. it's based on this book called The Butterfly Revolution, I believe it's called. And it's very Lord of the Flies. You know, it's really just, but it's set like in the 80s. And it's uh, you know, it's like it starts off with like it's meatballs. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is like a fun little movie. And Chuck Connors. You know, from obviously what Taurus Trap and the the Werewolf Show, which I loved on Fox. Too, he was love the, show. The big bad, and he's like the mean counselor. Well, they had it up and they tie him up, and then like this one camp counselor that you think is, uh, like I I joke like look back like I like I thought it was Paul Rudd, like it's like a Paul Rudd look, it's like super nice, and then all of a sudden he just turns into like like a horrible like dictator like chuck connor's actually kill him and then it turns into factions and guys and girls and then it gets a little bit like like kids are to their own devices and it just turns into almost like lord of the flies but it's like it was a little bit of a horror bent and it just scared me as a kid now it's probably hokey as shit but again at the time it was like maybe we should like oh my god my dream is like the counselor's are, are captured at our camp we can do whatever we want i never i don't think i ever went to a sleepaway camp but but you know what i mean like i don't think angela is showing yeah. up like i always like angela I, I almost wish angela would show up with some of these awful people in this movie you know and it just i don't know it's just my that my deep cut of of like scariness and i know like eisner loves this movie called fortress oh, I believe that, okay so that's on my list my bad. No, 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 right. no that show that's I'll a good stop. thing. That I'll means stop. we can jump around. But I will say I've never seen it. Uh, I've never it, seen me it. and Becca covered it for this, a show. Yeah, this is the one that we covered for Deep Cuts, right? No, no, we covered it on somebody else's show, the VHUS podcast. And he, oh, he yeah. actually introduced us to it, but it's well, I'll I'll jump to it because the one you just yeah, mentioned. Go for it. The one you just mentioned before, I hadn't seen till last year. And Brian, who I do the other show with, we did a live yeah. show at the New Biv called Teenage Wasteland Movies. And that was one of his picks. So I watched it. And it does hold up still now because it is really it, – it's less probably scary, but it's more about factions and what could happen if the teenage mind was in control. Um, but this has kind of got some summary. So I actually planned a double – a quick double – Australian double for people. One is totally outlandish that people won't believe me as horror. Uh, I was going to pair Fortress uh, with Walkabout because Walkabout 
is to me one of the best movies ever made, but it's actually quite a scary. It is literally about three, two kids, uh, a band and one girl who's probably almost 13. So she's just, it's it's a coming of age story for her, her younger brother, uh, the dad drives them into the middle of the desert and basically starts shooting at them. And you don't know what the fuck is happening. You're like, what is this movie? Then he blows up and dies. And now they're in the middle of the outback and, and they're English, which makes it more like, you know, they don't know what the fuck they're in the outback for. You know, they're they're not even Australian. And they come across a young uh, Australian Aborigine boy uh, played by who's on his walkabout. So he's probably 16 or 15 going on his finding himself mission. And it's literally all just nature. And it's shot almost like a science fiction. It's like, you know, Picnic at Hang Rock, where it's almost like a science fiction horror film, but it's these kids literally in peril. Will they survive this? And it gets some of the sexual tension stuff. So I just think this is a great movie to remind horror fans who will not seek it out necessarily that it actually kind of does touch your genre, especially if you're into the Ari Aster type of horror. But but putting that with Fortress, which is one we hadn't seen before, and it's literally if I had your Blu-ray company, you know, if I could put out a movie from that era – Fortress is the movie that it's insane that this movie still has no proper release. It's just it's bonkers because it's so fucking entertaining. And it's um, Rachel Ward as a school teacher, at one of these one room farmhouse schools that they would have where you'd have all the different ages of kids from very fucking little to like teenage boys. And she's teaching them in a remote Australia. And then it becomes fucking last house on the left. These dudes with scary fucking masks. One is Santa Claus. One is like Mickey Mouse or like like animals. Yeah, yeah. They're just wearing these masks and they break in. And they take the entire school hostage and they take them out to the desert and they put them in a cave and they're going to basically ransom them off to try to get money back. But when they start fighting back, it becomes like you were saying, kind of goes Lord of the Flies ish with the kids. Mm -hmm. And we're talking real kids. That's what's so cool about it. Like you have these little kids against guys who are. I mean, it's not for kids. This movie isn't. You know, some of the guys are kind of rapey the way they talk, and it's kind of disturbing. Right. But it's still this awesome. Like once everyone and this teacher and these kids start to kind of uh, go against them, it, it becomes so well done and kind of pretty realistic feeling for the kind it's of movie it is. Good. Yeah, yeah I remember being I shocked it, yeah. by how kind of good and engaging this movie was. Like Elric and I both really I think the guy did one. Dark Age, that big crocodile Australian. Mm-hmm. Film. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I've seen that. For yeah, sure. so he did that. Yeah. No, you would you would freaking love it. I I have a copy of this. I could send you straight away just so you just so you see it because I do think you'll really dig it. I saw the tra- I watched the trailer literally today. Jason was like like this is it. I'm like I like have I seen because like look I love Rachel Ward. We all do. yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like yeah. oh, wait I'm like have I seen this. But uh, I can love. Look, we say this and like it'll like Arrow will be releasing yeah, probably. Yeah, by the time we finish the show, uh, that's yeah. why Elric and I always say that we don't have a problem saying like I had to watch this bootlegger, I had to watch this yeah. um, YouTube or things like that because what we have discovered is if we can kind of you know get enough attention for a title, then other distributors got to keep these it. things alive that's somehow. You know, thing. I completely yeah. agree. Don't yeah. don't do that to kids versus aliens or something that's available somewhere. You know. And, yeah. And could hurt someone right. but no yeah that, right. so those two those are australia so it's fortuitous that you brought up fortress because that was one of the first ones i was like oh man no one talks about that enough and you know hopefully get it back out there i love yeah, it what's definitely. another one mark well i mean do we go like where are we at like in the thing like we're like do we get like I'll, do i go like the top like my top two yeah, like do whatever and then i'll yeah, just throw it i i right. just rattled off my three yeah. all together gotcha so, yeah. so obviously look and i i can I'm 11 years old, maybe, and I see this trailer, and it's like these two, like basically, it's well, I just want it's Lost Boys, and I just 
I was a I was a Corey Haim. I was I was Sam from from that movie. I wanted to be Frog Brothers, yeah. but I think I would I wasn't as cool, or at least I thought at the time. But I just remember you guys seeing this trailer, and I'm like, they made this movie for me. And it's like you know, like because I remember like I had an older sister, like I said, very young. I watched Salem's Lot because remember that was yeah. a TV movie, and that was so it was on during the day. Mm. And so I remember again, Mark at the window, like the movie. So scary. That part, yeah. So scary. So when I saw this, I'm like, fight kids fighting back against these people. And it was just cool. And I remember I, I got to go to the theater. I remember it was R rated. And I'll never forget. I went, I probably went five or six times. And I like, my parents were so cool. Like they went every time. And finally, like the teller was like, I remember him here. Like, it's fine. Like they're like, can we leave them? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, like, and I, so I just, I don't, I think that movie changed. Like it was just one of those, like I would not be in this business without that movie. Mm-mm. And I love those. And They're just, the best. It yeah. just, and it just like, it still holds up. Like my kids watched it, you know, it's just cool. And it just, again, it, it really is. And like the montage at the end of them going and getting the holy water, the garlic, the steaks. I'm like, th- th- this is on, man. <laughs> this yeah. is going to, this is like, this is a, cl- again, like this is the main event. Like a, a wrestling to go back to wrestling, like they're about to go fight these dudes at the end of the movie, and it's just I don't know. I think it's still uh, I love 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 that movie, and I still yeah, have so a lot in common with Jason Patrick from this movie. Of course, I love really? the dead air. I want crickets <laughs> under that. That's just really. No, hey, I have curly no, I, hair. <laughs> yeah. I had a poster of this on my wall when Same. I was a kid. Um, because the vampires were sexy and I don't even think I really understood that yet, but I had the biggest cross Kiefer Sutherland and Brooke. Um, I can't remember. Uh, no, uh, McAllister. 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 Yeah. He played not Mark. Uh, no, Mark, no, he was Mark. Paul. He was no, Paul. No, Dwayne was Billy Worth. Went on to do body snatchers with yep. the Abel Friar one. And obviously our good friend, Alex Winter was Marco. Marco. And, and, and that so is one of the scariest Paul. scenes in body snatchers too. The, with the kid. That's yeah. that one scene with the yeah. mom. Yeah, it's one of the scariest Great call. Because oh, yeah. if you look at oh, individual yeah. scenes, you got that. You got the brood attack on the kids and the brood, which in the school, which is one of the most insane scenes ever filmed. Uh, there's just there's just so many if you just look at individual scenes. But yeah, what's your what's your last one? And then I'll rattle off. Well, I think it's the goat. It's the Monster Squad. I mean, Fred Decker. Yeah. Thank you for for like literally again, like that is literally every WrestleMania Lost Boy Universal Monster Kid like all into one. And like, I, you know, I, you know, I just think the world of that movie and I still like one of my favorite lines ever is Rudy, who we all wanted to be the cool guy. And he's walking out and like, they're like in peril. Like they all think they're going to die. And he just fucking shows up like cooler than fucking cool. And he goes, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? Yeah. And he goes and kills. I'm like that again. I, I'm, I'm how long ago is that? 30 years, yeah. whatever, 30 years. I remember that line. Like just I'm like, that like he saved the day like and then all mm-hmm. of you know i wanted to be sean i think was the lead like that was me we were all like we were all that kid you know and i just think that like still to this day and like i know i always say every time friends and friends like shut the fuck up mark like and every time i see him i go i just don't care like and i love night of the creeps as well i love it. night um, of the creeps yeah, i saw yeah. first actually between them but yeah. and i love and, it on you he just that to me like i again like i that that smell that I always say, like to, to capture, like he he caught it in a bottle for me. I love Michael Baldwin in Phantasm. I think that's one of my favorite 
like kid performance or he's mm-hmm. a, almost a teen obviously but like just yeah. oh, I, that's a good call that's a great but call he's still younger i mean like in the 80s we identified teens as young adults because if we look at something like nightmare on elm street i mean yeah. it was all 20 somethings and so to see an actual teen in that does not feel like the rest of the 80s he could have been in the monster squad he could have been like a, a friend yeah. of theirs a couple years later he's Absolutely. in phantasm yeah. he's great yeah i'll just read all i mean again these are all films people know. Uh, look, I think Alice, Sweet Alice is one of the most effective. Oh, yeah. Like, a kid in peril and also unusual because they're also the suspect, you know, for a lot of the film, which is super interesting. And adults are getting fucked up in this movie, too. But it's it's also one of these weird. There's a couple of movies I was thinking about where they're made in. A, this one's made in 76, but it's set in 61. And that was pretty unusual. Like period piece horror was always a little like, oh, weird that you'd make that choice. But Alfred Soul kills it because it's like, you know, all, all about communion. Uh, and you know, her younger sister is brutally murdered. And then you've got just the scenes with her, the one creepy neighbor, you're, you're constantly on edge in that movie. And it's actually disturbing. Like it's a movie that holds up today as an adult, as scary as it was when you were young, you know, mm-hmm. it will fuck you up. I was too scared. I, I honestly, like as a video store kid that I couldn't even touch the box. It was too scary. Yeah. Like that, again, I remember that, you know, and I, I, th- I think we released it at anchor. I released it at anchor Bay. I know I did. And, uh, but even then, I was like, that was a um, Alfred Soul, yeah, right? Alfred Soul. Like, yeah. I don't and, think uh, I started I as a kid. I think I started as a teen. And, like, I don't think I did either. Yeah, I think I, 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 I thought it was later too. Yeah. And I, great call. Though. But, you great know, call. again, those ones are creepy and, and not my official pick, but we've, because we talked about so much, but in a similar way, the other one that's like that time wise is Reflecting Skin because it's like oh, yeah. made in 1990, but set in the 50s in a, almost like a lynching world doesn't even feel like real America, but it's such a unsettling freaking movie. It it doesn't all necessarily work on all levels, but man, you watch, if you're looking for something to pair with that one, watch reflecting skin. I just find that to be yeah. one of those films that gets under your skin, but I wanted to mention a total deep cut for this show. It's saying I'd mentioned years ago on, um, uh, pure cinema. And just because I think people, and I think you guys would dig it. It's called the window and it's film noir, like straight film noir. It's 1949. Uh, pretty uh, lesser known film noir. And I happened to catch it on TCM one night. And it is one of the best kid in peril movies ever. It is uh, this actor, which will has a bit of a sad story at the end of it, called Bobby Driscoll, one of the best kid performance. It is kind of like Rear Window. It, it opens up and it's way too hot in uh, Manhattan. And he's his parents are you know kind of indifferent to him. So he decides he will sneak out onto the rails to sleep out there because it's so hot. But then he notices the neighbor below him. Uh, he He witnesses a murder. And, and, you know, so it's pretty, pretty standard, but like I'm watching this movie and there's scenes like where somebody picks the kid up and slaps him right across the face. Like, like the most violent thing I've ever seen to a child in in a movie. Like it just felt so fucking real. Like, and they're killers. They're like, we're going to come back here and we're going to fucking murder you because of what you saw. Like it becomes that kind of movie and it's really tense. It's really short. It's one of those that's super atmospheric. And I remember it ended and I looked up the kid because I was like, who is this kid? He's so good. And it's the saddest thing I've ever looked up on the internet in my life. It was one of those things you regretted knowing, which is uh, his name is Bobby Driscoll. He did a little thing called Peter Pan. He's the voice. Of Peter oh, Pan. oh, my God. I wrote an article yes. about this kid. And then, for he, and then he fell into drugs and then he died in a, in a pauper's grave, unmarked grave is where he rests to, to this day. The guy who was Peter Pan is yeah. is died in a he was in one of those like when you watch Wolfen in those tenement house that his yeah. body oh, yeah. his body was uh, discovered by children playing in a tenement house and, and and when you read that and you watch a movie like this and you realize he's Peter Pan your brain just is like it's insane you know that that trajectory yeah. is just so fucking sad but this is a uh, just a cool 
you know, I know it's super deep cut because it's more of a film noir, but I do think like people might be like, whoa, if you're into this kind of thing, this kid gives one of those performances. And then if we were doing teens, and I'm not going to go any further, but if we were doing teens, I think the greatest movie, and I kind of, I don't like to say I like to see a remake, but Battle Royale is oh, so yeah. fucking oh, good. Great call. Oh, like great. that is a movie where the kids are in peril, but they're also in peril with each other. It's school systems. It's Takeshi Katano's running around. It is an amazing movie. And I, it's one of the few movies. I know Hunger Games is kind of a similar theme, but not not tone. The tone of this is so dark, you know. It's it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's really it's one of the best post 2000. It's 2000 it was made in, but uh, just amazing. When what when was that made? That was two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, it was funny because we it, again talk about Anchor Bay. We try. Ironically, Anchor Bay ended up after I left did do the box set, mm-hmm. I believe. But we would call like Jay Douglas would call every day, like to certain people. Like and remember, he worked with, uh, oh gosh, whoever the Beyond guys were. Like uh, Sylvester Sloan's kid was a part of the company. Uh, like Morosky, Rob Morosky, yeah, yeah, Sage, oh, Grand House releasing, yeah, Grand House, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he'd be like, how can we get this? And they're like, they won't fucking do it. They won't like. It was it was banned. It was literally banned wow. from coming here, and which is crazy if you think about. That's it. so cool, though. But <laughs> but, but, that, but that's what, again, we had to see it. Yeah. So that was a great call on that. That's a great great call. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. have you back someday. And we'll do teenagers. Uh... Teenagers in peril. <laughs> I know because well, I had to do like Fright Night, but I get that like yeah. he, like he's too Charlie's too old. You know, yeah. but like I said, like but there's other stuff like not not it's not horror, but like Cloak and Dagger. Oh, dude, like, that was huge yeah. for me. Cloak and Dagger. I, I, I try to like, tell people about that movie to so good all the time. Yeah, I was thinking the Disney films of the '80s. The Something Wicked This Way Comes, which yeah, is oh, yeah. Disney, but then um, the Watcher in the Woods. Um, those ones were definitely big for me. I I actually it's funny Disney let Anchor Bay have a couple movies and we got those out of there because they were like ah these are too scary for our Disney audience. It's true. Yeah. No. I bought the fancy black hole um, yep. Blu-ray that they did a couple of years ago, and they only made that available through the Disney Movie Club. Like I joined oh, the Disney Movie Club wow. just to get that disc, and then you have to buy like it's set up the way that like um, the ones used to be in the eighties, where like you get six discs for free, but then you bust by five more at club prices, and they're like ridiculously expensive. Right. Disney is still operating under that for their movie club, but I did it just to get that black hole. But so. all, this all proves, I think, as long as we have Kinder Trauma movies. Movies and, and kid horror will always have horror fans because I think that's where the starting point and then they grow up to be fans of harder stuff and will never go away as long as you're still scaring people when they're young and disturbing them, Definitely. you know. It just like Stranger Things proves the point. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. It's the best one. Well, Mark, thank you so thank much you for guys. joining us tonight. Yeah. This has been an absolute pleasure and we will have you back again soon. And I look so forward to your book recommendations. Like I binged <laughs> Riley too. Sager all summer because you had recommended them. They're just all fun summer time. reads. They're like, you know, and then it's every like, we should need to do this. Then like Robert Downey Jr. options. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, never mind. At least I read are, The Lake yeah. House on a plane. Yeah. And I, I think it was probably while I was shooting Elevator Game, I had read it on a plane. And then the I House by the lake or house, house across by the lake, lake. yeah house, house across the lake. the lake and i ended up going to the bookstore in winnipeg and i bought like five more and it's all i read the they're summer. good they're, they're yeah. fun read like yeah i like that uh home before dark or uh, that he did because there was some scenes of like i'm kind of creeped out right here yeah. you know like good for him yeah some good <laughs> stuff in there but anyways thank you so much thank for coming you guys on. To our listeners at home if you just need more of our deep cuts you can find us on our patreon show 
deep cuts where we will be definitely dropping some more titles super soon. I just got some fun Policia Tetsky box sets I'm excited to dive into. And I know Elric has some fun titles on the way as well. So please find us over there. Otherwise, we will be back in two weeks for Switcheroo. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'll switcheroo that on you. Oh, you would. You would do that. (laughs) The Colors of the Dark podcast is a Fangoria production. Producers and co-hosts are Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane. Executive producers are Tara Ainsley and Abby Gould. Associate producer is Jessica Soth of Amir. Sonic branding by Michael Rodriguez. And, of course, our amazing sound engineer, Ernie Hurtado. Hurtado.